Diner Podcast. Uh, I'm Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. I'm Chrissy Raffensperger. And I am Dave Sellers. He is Dave Sellers, and we are Sans M tonight, but she might be hopping in here, rumor has it. And uh, we are continuing, I just hit puberty again, we are continuing <laughs> our look at Star Trek Pilot, and we are re-watching uh, the pilot with my favorite theme song ever, Enterprise. Yes, 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 yes. 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 And uh, Chris- why would you ruin the beautiful tradition I know. of just musical scores to have that song? Chrissy, oh, song. Chrissy just wants me it. to sing it again. She, she wants God. me to sing it. I swear, if I get coronavirus, I'm sneezing on you. That is just happening. Oh. <laughs> one more time. I'm going to be like, knock on the door. I <laughs> If she gets coronavirus, she's not working at this diner. Just saying. We can't have that in the diner. We can't contaminate no. our guests. Wouldn't be prudent. Uh-uh. But what, what if we came to no, a I compromise? Love, I, love, I love Kristen too much to do that to That's her. true. That's true. What's a, what's a compromise? That's very true. What if we could do a compromise for you, Christy? Why don't we rewrite the song, <laughs> keep the lyrics, but sing it to the classic Trek theme? If you can pull that off, I will allow it. Will I? Will I, I okay. D- Dave, we have to okay. do this. Challenge accepted. We should put these <laughs> lyrics to tractor rap. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> I think Dave just choked. <laughs> he did. Yeah. He spewed all over his just, screen. You can't see this in the uh, diner, no. but his screen. That would that would make that would make Charles Tucker the third very upset. I believe Charles Tucker the third. Uh, all right, so we're talking. I mean, his name is also awful. Like just just oh, so just what were they? All right, so let's talk about this episode, <laughs> and we obviously are to roll talking about the theme song. So let's start there. Um, why did they choose Miles, uh, Dave? I didn't do the research. Maybe you do. Why did they choose this song to introduce this show? Do we know that? I'm not sure why they chose the song, but they really tried to be different from past shows. I mean, we'll get into this, but when the show first came out, it wasn't called Star Trek Enterprise, it was just called Enterprise. And so there was definitely an effort to kind of maybe shake things up, maybe change the image a little. So having a, a easy listening pop pop music sound was definitely different than a big orchestral piece uh, from, yeah. from, from, from past shows. 
were they trying to were they trying to uh they were trying to maybe change the image of star trek to some degree to try maybe give it a little bit more broader appeal i mean this is a song originally performed by rob stewart in the um and was written for patch adams initially the song so Mm -hmm. when when did when did enterprise come out when did it officially air uh, fall of 2000. Fall of 2000. Late, late summer, early fall. Right. 2001. 2001. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was originally titled uh, Faith of the Heart and was written by Diane Warren and performed by Rob Stewart for the 1998 Patch Adams. But then they used it for Star Trek. But. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, and I wondered, too, like, <clears throat> the whole, I mean, the whole feel of the show. I mean, it was very Star Trek. I mean, you saw a lot of familiar races and, and aliens, and, and you, especially in the pilot, and you've got some new ones in as well. But the feel of it, while very, at least to me, while very Trek in, in the storyline and what they were going and doing, it was very new because of the timeline it set in. So I, I'm wondering, too, if they really were trying to bring this back to we're not explorers yet we are just taking our first steps outward from where we last saw everybody in trek history before lyrically like we were we were talking about earlier it, it's lyrically very appropriate to what they were doing and really the 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 feel and the purpose of the show yeah I would so have... maybe they were just trying to separate it from from like you said, separating it from from previous incarnations to to this new beginning. Yeah, and th- this this takes place about 150 years, well, 100 years before um, the original series, and 150 or so years from when it debuted back in 2001. So they still wanted. I mean, they wanted to be a precursor to 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 original series, but but they wanted that the characters, at least the human characters, to still look look and sound like us in a lot of ways. How much and, time had passed from um, the events in was it First Contact? The events of First Contact to this is it thirty years that have kind of transpired from when? Um, cl- uh, about hundred. Yeah, was it hundred years? Just under a hundred yeah. years. I, I yeah. seem to remember them saying it's about a hundred years since first contact. Yeah. So, and did they have the same actor that played Cochran in the movies reprise his role here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. Um, so you know, I agree with Dave that this song lyrically, you know, you know, it's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time. I'm not going to sing it, um, but my time is finally <laughs> near, um, and you can feel the change and the way. And so. Like the, the lyrically, it really sets up the this this episode especially. You know, we're new explorers, and then um, there's a there's an element of faith. They're taking a leap of faith. Is humanity ready for this? Right? Um, and there's strength of the soul, and no one's going to ban me or break me. I mean, you see all these 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 lyrics in a lot of ways are played out throughout this episode. Um, and so when you look at the 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 full length version of the song it very much we only hear a portion of it obviously in the uh opening credit and then we hear the instrumental version at the very end 
Um, and I think there was a third version also that was kind of for season three. They did. They kind of revised the arrangement of it. Uh, yeah, they up, made the up tempo the music. Yeah, and and even in the op- in the opening video and opening credits, even the imagery in it, it really sets it up from the, from the from early exploration, crossing the seas up until you know leaving Earth's surface and now venturing out beyond the lyrical of the song. I mean, it, besides it fitting well, besides what they're doing, what they're setting up, it's really set up and, and, and got the, the feeling of every leap that humanity has taken in every bit of exploration and, and, and jump to make that, to achieve that next level, you know, if you know what I mean. Right. Right. Well, and, oh, the, 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 yeah. And the, the, the opening image, credits are beautiful. Yeah, they are. I mean, you, you watch and like, Oh, this is where we're headed. Right. And they take you like up to current, what was current then. And now we're beyond. Right. Um, there is a shot in the opening credit, you know, after they show the space shuttle and then they show the ship with, three ion endings it looks a little bit star wars at that one point and it really reminds me of this album cover a little bit doesn't it a <laughs> boss yeah it kind of does yeah a little bit, yeah, a little bit. i said yeah. oh look it's boston that's uh so I, for those of you for those of you listening i'm showing the uh, boston third stage album cover it has a little bit of uh the open credits correct I mean, I will say that I definitely liked the visuals. Right. I had actually gone, I think, about two two years ago now, um, down to Washington D.C. and went into the Air and Space um, Museum, and they actually did have like a whole section of like you know early exploration of like nautical, you know, how they would the nautical instruments, and then like moving forward. So it was really cool because then I was actually able to like remember like all the different technology and stages that. We had progressed through. Well, just so you know, the the song, you know, in 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 LD No Small Parts episode, Riker quotes a song to Deanna Troy. Oh, uh, aboard Wait, the which, U- which it's aboard the USS Titan. No small parts. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was uh, yeah in uh, lower, lower decks. Yeah, in lower decks. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Lord okay. So, so they do. Uh, it continues to reappear, and uh, just uh, before we go from the song here, it was used to wake up the space shuttle screw uh, the pa- space shuttle crew a Discovery on their morning wake up call, um, and was used nice. to wake up the crew of Endeavor, um, and then it was used again when they repaired the Hubble's t- telescope, and then later. It was used to wake up the New Horizons space probe uh, from hibernation prior to the craft performing its flyby of Pluto. And, we got to figure out how to now, get a call from Chrissy. And, and now I know why I will never join NASA. Apparently not. <laughs> um, that's okay. That's okay. At the end of the, I, I just might. At the end of the show, Chrissy, I, uh, I'll play the rendition that Dave and I sang, and you can just put it as your ringtone. So when we call, like it just oh. comes on. Yes, yes. So We're I awful. that awful 
<laughs> Anyways, we're hung up on the song here. Let's talk about some other. Uh, let's talk about some other uh, uh, other things about the show because obviously we have an entire episode, not just the opening credit. <laughs> this is true. <Yeah>. <laughs> we have the pilot to talk about. <laughs> so, what did you guys think of this as a pilot? Um, for me, I like for me when I watched this. It's been a while since I watched it. It was a, I I forgot how engaging it was. Like a lot of shoot 'em up scenes, some great lines of both humanity and Vulcans kind of trusting each other. There's a lot of you know growth and understanding culture that was happening throughout the episode. Uh, but it was there was a lot of like shooting going on in this episode. Oh, there was a lot of action. I mean, there's yeah, a lot absolutely. of good shoot. I mean, the the, well, the opening scene is is. You know, a Klingon being chased by these two syllabon, the Klingon being played by Tiny Lister, a uh, large African-American actor who's been in tons of stuff uh, throughout the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Uh, he played the president in um, uh, The Fifth Element. Um, and so he's playing a Klingon here, which I, yeah, but you might not recognize him with, with the Klingon makeup and prosthetics. Yeah. But yeah, we get it. I mean, we hit the ground running literally is in this cornfield. So, I, I mean, they, they do a good job of kind of, um, I don't know, just, just sucking you in. I mean, it's, it's with, 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 with the action. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then, then from there you see them, you see Archer and, and, and Tucker in that uh, pod, you know, going, looking around the, you know, looking around the enterprise and, and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's a nice shot too of them flying around space dock. It kind of harkens back to um, the motion picture. Oh yeah, I was just going to say we had a little bit of a motion picture uh, throwback of them kind of flying around the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Until he scratches the paint. I yeah. know. What's with that? <laughs> Hasn't you even know, left we, dock yet. You know, t- Tucker may be a good engineer, but we, as we find throughout the, this episode, at least he's he's not the best pilot. <laughs> he's definitely not the best pilot. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the closest thing we really have to comedy. And it, it like for me, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't really well either that or flop. Like uh yeah, I was say the doctor. The doctor when he's like smiling about being optimism, that's actually creepy when he smiles. <laughs> I'm like, um yeah, yeah, you just keep that to yourself, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're probably he's probably the most hum- the humorous but this isn't an episode filled with uh slapstick humor like you sometimes get in star trek it's a little bit more serious yeah yeah and and our, and, and our heroes don't necessarily get along with each other there is mistrust between the humans and the vulcans and yeah the the the, the vulcans are smarmy stuck up assholes i would think but they're not always wrong i find uh, i always find no. throughout the series they yes. aren't always wrong at all and and you know well that's why they're they're stuck up because they're usually right <laughs> that's that's it um i would be remiss to say that uh, we, we had a chance to talk to doug drexler on our d space nine uh podcast but he he designed the NX one Enterprise. That that's his design. Uh, it's beautifully designed. 
I, I yeah. will say I did like I did like the design of the Enterprise. I don't know, like because we're talking about how engaging it was. I had a hard time paying attention to it. Like I kept having like ADHD moments, and like it just I don't know what it was. Like it just didn't like grab me. I don't know if it's because like I don't know if the characters just weren't that interesting to me, or there just didn't seem like there was much going on with the characters. They seemed no other than like maybe some cardboard cutout kind of feel to them. Like, I just didn't feel like there was a whole lot there. Well, I'm not going to argue with you on that one, because for me, the first time I watched it through live, I mean, I was 18, 17 when the thing came out, fall 2001. Yeah. So, me watching it initially, of course, as, as a dutiful fan, I've watched it all, but I, I never got into it. It was, it was one of my least favorite series out of them all going forward until I watched it over and over about three or four times watching it through. And every time I've watched it, the more I have enjoyed it and the more it's, it's really stuck with me, whether it'd been age or just repetitiveness. I don't know. I was going to say, there's actually a psychological phenomenon that can explain it. Whereas like the more you hear it, the more like familiar it is and you like it just because it's familiar and not because it's actually good. That's how they get you with pop songs. So well, stop right, singing right, that right. song. I will not be brainwashed. <laughs> I, I'm going to sing it. Ready, Dave? Here we go. No, uh, the, uh, I would, I would, no, I would I would agree with that to some degree. I, I, I think I liked it better this time than when I initially watched it. And yeah. I was like pleasantly surprised watching it again. And it's yeah. been a, it's been like five, six, seven years since I've watched it. Yeah. And, and not so much the age of the, the repetitiveness part of it to it, but but age not of the show, but of myself. And as the older I've gotten, and, and this has really come through with every with every Trek series, really, is the older I've gotten and watched it again, the more I've taken from it, the more I've been able to see through a different lens than I did initially. And I'm able to really enjoy and appreciate the story, the subtleties, the, 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 the emotions behind the characters and the storylines than I was when I was a teenager. I it did feel Sorry. I did feel like when we were talking about that as the teenager, I did felt that I, I felt like we talked about chemistry. I get that, Chrissy, because I think that the chemistry of the show, even watching it, like there were some good moments, but the chemistry seems pretty pretty dull in this episode. There's some good action and yeah. uh, and there's some things that you're pulling, but and then then I felt like like now watching it years later, like. I feel like they're also objectifying to Paul to Paul a little bit. Uh, yeah, I definitely noticed that, especially in the disinfectant scene. I mean, they obviously. Oh, let's the, talk about decon chamber. The decon yes. chamber yeah. is, you know, that was it was it was it was sensual. It was over the top, and they obviously had the temperature too low in there. And, and yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like her nipples were definitely saying hello. <laughs> yeah. Like let's just let's just put it out there. That's right. what was going on. They were and, and the way they shot not it. Not like, that I object to nipples. I mean, right. well, I, 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 I certainly don't. You know, I, I enjoy nipples as much as anyone else, but nipples for you, nipples for you, nipples for you, everyone. <laughs> I just had a 
mental image of Oprah Winfrey. Um, exactly. But the, uh, <laughs> the idea here, like for me, like we have this, we have this Vulcan who's so prim and proper and yet we're, 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 we're focused in on her breasts and then also in her, in her waist as they're like rubbing the salve all over everything. And I'm just like, um, I'm like, but that it's, it's it distracted me from the conversation, the greater conversation, which right. was really going on there. That we have preconceptions of each species that we're trying to work through. But what I'm distracted, but I'm distracted by the sex of this. Right. It was a very sensual scene, and I felt it kind of like didn't have to be that way. And the text and wasn't I- sensual. The text that wasn't sexual at all, you know. No, yeah, they're they're arguing actually, I mean, but while they're rubbing oil on each other, right? Hey, gets me going every time. Just talk to Chris. Just kidding. Hey, I wouldn't mind getting in the seacon chamber at the Paul. I mean, just saying. No. Uh, but you, you know what? Though, but there really didn't have to be that that objectification. Like it just didn't I, have to it, be there. It's out of place. It's out of place with the rest of the episode. And that type, yeah, you know who and that is my though? problem, right? Who, 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 Miles? Gene Roddenberry would have loved this. Why? That is a hundred. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, he. You know, if he could have had this in the original series of Next Gen, something to that effect, he would have loved the idea of scantily clad men and women rubbing lotion on each other, and um, I mean, with the temperature would, turned up. But it is. It okay. is. It we is. It, but my argument is that this is yeah, out right. of place. For this episode of Enterprise, because you, there's nowhere else that you feel this sort of thing. Like in Roddenberry, some of his episodes, yeah, people are running around in toyas and almost nothing on all the time. But 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 this episode, that's not happening except for this little decontamination chamber. Oh, it was yeah. it, it was it was it was gratuitous. It was you know it was just to get uh, and they had to have the skin so glistening. Yeah. Well, let's go back at, at I mean, TNG. I'm just gonna say, like Tucker wasn't bad looking to look at. I'm just gonna say there was some, there was eye candy for ladies too. For everybody, if you're a I straight mean, lady was... or if you're a gay man, right? So, and something for everybody. <laughs> well, what I was gonna say, um, you could tell. I will say this for this for for this cast, with with very few exceptions, you could tell all these people worked out in the gym all the time or did something to stay in shape. Uh, because, it, well, well, we interviewed um, the act, the actor who played uh, uh, Mayweather, um, Anthony Montgomery. I, Anthony Montgomery, thank you. Um, I said, well, because I, I said I, I asked him a question. I said, was there a conscious effort to for? I said, all of you look like you work out in the gym every day, and, and he said, well, hey, you know, if we if we have to be in the decon chamber that day, we want to look good for it or something like that. When uh, so, yeah. Yeah, there's a pressure there. If you had to be, you know, be in the decon chamber, you had to, you know, look like you're yeah. in shape. Yeah, you weren't going to see, uh, you know, Star Trek V Final Frontier Scotty in a decon chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. But and, even, uh, yeah, but even talking about Gene. Yeah, there you go. Think of that time when you go to sleep. Um, <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> talking about Robin. a long road. Go ahead. I it's going to be a long road. <laughs> Go back to Roddenberry in uh, season one of Next Gen, uh, when they went to that, especially that one where they went to that planet where Wesley was almost executed for falling in the flower bed. Oh, was that? An- that wasn't Angel One. 
the episode name. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about, but I, the, the the name of the episode uh, loses me at the moment. But I know, yeah. yeah. You, you look, at the, look at the outfits those people are wearing on that planet. Holy cow! To Paul standing in her shirt in a decon chamber is nothing compared to what yeah. they were. Oh, but I think it had to do with like the glistening thing and the rubbing. Like, what and is the nipples that? Like, and and, no. and 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 how dark it was. I mean, there was there was definitely something. Now that that scene was originally a heck of a lot worse. There's a deleted part to it where Flox is standing outside of the decon chamber singing Barry White through the intercom to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's hilarious. What is with people's poor taste music for Star for this particular Star Trek? Like what is with that? <laughs> it was a joke. It really it was. Is. I'm sure. <laughs> we go we go from data playing classical violin to that. Right, right. <laughs> hey, whatever gets you. But going, humanity right? got a lot more enlightened as the years went on. Apparently, oh, is that that? That's, that's what we're trying to show. Is that's that what we're okay? Showing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, now it makes it better. No. That, that but, is, you know, here's another. What yeah. I was going to say was, go ahead. This, this show was the first show for for the new UPN network, and right. and so there was. I mean, they were trying to do what they could to attract viewers, and I guess if they figured, hey, if sex sells, let's, you know, let's sell it. I don't know if they were trying to make her the next seven of nine or what. Well, I did think well, about, yeah. I did think about that that they were trying to kind of play that. Um, yeah, they were. It's almost like they're trying to make sexy Spock. Like that's what they were trying to go for. I will say this about the uh, about the Vulcan here in this one. <laughs> Uh, not to detract from this scene, which we're kind of, in, 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 you know, reliving again and again. Um, the uh, you see into Paul this. We often view the the Vulcans as being inflexible, but throughout the hour and a half of these of this two part episode, you really do see a flexibility or a willingness to change and to not be so hard ass that she appears at least at the beginning uh, yeah she's sympathetic that for archer this is this is this is humanity's chance to one you know take a you know take their step out into the wider universe and also to be the be the one who saves clang from um uh what was that uh the uh the Sulaban yeah. and, and bring him home. I mean, it had to be, it had to be, earth needed a, um, a win here. And right. so she, she was sympathetic that she became sympathetic throughout, throughout the episode. And, and she was willing to, she, um, gets, she gets chastised help. for that later on by the Vulcan. Doesn't she? There, there, there will be later episodes where she gets some yeah. grief for, I, for that. I yeah. remember, remember that. You know the other part, Vulcan, that I really enjoyed was that when the when um, the the Klingon, you know, at the very beginning of the episode, is kind of there on the table and Flox is working on him, and he goes, and um, and the Vulcans are trying to say, "Hey, we're going to take him back," and um, and Arch- Archer defies him, and he raises his voice, and that, the line there is. Uh, careful when logic doesn't work so you 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 resort to volume it's kind of human like something like that and it's this fantastic slap in the face against these Vulcans. i was like i was like 
fuck you. You know, what this is <laughs> like that's kind of what it is. And I, I just I just love it. Well, this Vulcan is looking at, it's like, oh, gosh, we can't let the humans out. I mean, the, the humans are going to destroy interstellar relations when they get out there. Uh, played brilliantly by Gary Graham, uh, that one ambassador. We'll see him. He's a reoccurring character throughout the, the series, and he slowly warms up to the humans and becomes an ally over time. But uh, I'm, I'm glad I got Gary Graham in this to be on the show. Um, he was he was brilliant in the show Alien Nation, and he's done some other cool stuff, too. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And I like the admiral too. He, I mean, for once, Star Trek has had bad admirals for a while, and so we finally get an admiral who's a good guy in uh, Admiral Forrest, who is a, a friend to Archer. I like um, Von Armstrong played many different aliens throughout Star Trek: uh, Romulans, Cardassians, Klingons, uh, other aliens of the week. And uh, here he's playing a, a recurring character, the recurring character of uh, Admiral Forrest, yeah. which I thought he did a good job on. Well, perhaps DePaul was decided to go along with the humans because she figured if she didn't, they were just going to stumble out by themselves without them and make things even more of a mess than with them. So you may as well, if you can't, if you can't beat them, you may as well join them. I mean, that's a logical conclusion. Yes. And, and maybe maybe prevent them from causing more damage. Otherwise, if, the, if, if, if at least she's there, she could mitigate that. Well, and if you're... Well, and if you're going to, and if they're going to go off and do something anyways, like you're going to have to build trust with these people. It's kind of like, you know, when you're a therapist and you may see where a client needs to, like where you feel like the client needs to go. If they're not ready to make those choices, it does you no good to waste your time and possibly mess up a therapeutic relationship by pushing them into something that's not going to happen if you push them. So you have to build the relationship first and then you can make the moves to help them get to where they need to go. The way you do that is you go into the the decontamination chamber with them. No, 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 that is totally unethical. Do not do that with clients. No, bad. Um, I'm pretty sure that is a violation of the code of ethics. I do agree though. I think that She's along as a, the, the science officer, right? And um, and she is there to kind of help bridge relations, but she's there. She is kind of guiding them, and uh, uh, but she's also an advocate. She is also slowly in this episode becoming an advocate for the humans, and I think that there's uh, there's certainly something to be said. For Let's talk about some of the other crew too that we have here. What do you think of Archer as a captain? He's not. He's no Ben Cisco, certainly no Picard, and certainly no Janeway, and certainly no Kirk. I mean, I think of the captains when I when we encounter him. He's not one that I gravitate to initially. Um, here's I mean he he he's the first one to do to, to do this to be an interstellar explorer on behalf of Earth. Uh, so he, ha- he has very little experience, but but what he does have is he's very optimistic he's hungry and passionate to go out there he wants to see what's out there in the worst way and it's a personal stake for him he wants this is it this warp five engine is his father's design or you know and so he i i i I get the fact that he's he's passionate and he he wants to see what's out there um he he has not been tempered by real life experience so much in the cosmos yet uh, that will change and change his, his views on things. He will grow and change a little over time. Um, 
So I'm glad he's not, you know, this is probably who you want for your first captain, for your first interstellar explorer. You want somebody that has the optimism and, and uh, the passion to want to see what's out there. And, and the ability to have the broad shoulders to carry the weight of your entire planet's interstellar expeditionary service on his shoulders. If he screws up, like you said, he knows the Vulcans are just going to shut everything down. And later on, in a later episode, you do see that in the early, in the early trials of the warp five engine with him and Tucker and the other test pilots and stuff. When it kind of, the, the, the test kind of fails, they go to shut the whole program down and go back to the whole drawing board until he again defies everyone else and steals the ship and proves that this stuff works. It, to be able to, to shoulder that kind of responsibility. And again, like you said, later on in the series, you do see that weighing on him, especially after the whole Zindi incident. It, it really takes its toll mentally on him, but he's still it changes him a bit it changes him but it doesn't change his his passion and his purpose and his drive for being there he's it, he fits right in with the rest of them in his own way which is I, you know i take that back he he isn't one that grows in me but he does have the captain qualities of willing to take the risk yeah. to, to you know when the call has to be made he's willing to make the call and if that means he doesn't listen to Vulcan High Command, or even to Starfleet, he doesn't. You know. Well, I mean, and Kirk did that all the time. Oh, absolutely, right. So, right. In, in a way, it's very—he's more. But then again, they all kind of did that at, on some degree, on some level. So they—he does fit in with the group. He's just not. How do I put this? I don't think like he's—he's he's the standout front runner that some of them other. Like he's not going to capture the center of attention right away. And to be fair, he hasn't. He's working with this is all new. The only race yeah. they've really encountered have been the Vulcans, you know. Well, and so yeah. they have. It, this is all like he doesn't have when, the experience of working with all these species and everything. So he's going to be rough around the edge. Well, yeah. And, and I, you're you're right that there's nothing about him that sets him apart individually from the other captains we've seen. I, I look at I've always looked at him as a, a a giant conglomeration of all of them. He's got Kirk's willingness to to throw the book in the wind and wing it, do it live, and do what he thinks is best to get it done. He's got Picard's sense of duty and responsibility. He's got Cisco's passion and drive and Janeway's Janeway's love and desire of exploration. I think he, he embodies all of those major qualities of all of them, but has nothing that is individual to himself that has him yeah. stand amongst the rest. Well, and the nice thing about, about a, a leader that isn't quite so like in the forefront, like main, it really does allow a lot of breathing room for the other characters to come forward. It allows a lot of letting them shine and letting them lead um maybe his leadership isn't quite so hierarchical i don't know i didn't watch much of the much of the show because it just even when i was a teen like actually liked it better as a teen than i do now um which is opposite of you guys but <laughs> i don't know um 
but it, it's something that I've experienced in, in my in my work is being with someone who is a leader, but really almost leads more on on the side, almost like more like a coach where the rest of us are out playing the game and she's kind of on the sideline coaching us, telling us how it's done. We still absolutely need the coach, but you're the one out there doing as much and she's not jumping onto the playing field and, you know, stealing the show. So in, in some ways you can really admire that in a leader of someone who allows the people underneath them to really take over and do what needs done. Which maybe when you're out exploring in the wilderness, you need to have a whole team of people who are able to just jump in and don't need to be led around by the nose. Scott's a coach. He knows how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but what he also realizes, I mean, his, his and to Paul's working relationship is very rocky, but then he comes around at the end and says like, she did come and help them out. And if she didn't, they wouldn't have succeeded in a mission. So I like that roundabout way. He persuades her to stay on the ship. He realizes her, her value and contributions. And um, so he is gung ho about, you know, wanting humanity to do this on their own and succeed. But at the same time, it's like, you know what, a little help from somebody who knows what they're doing is a good thing also. Yeah. There is that, uh, that grudging, I don't want to say grudging, but very beneath the surface, humility right and and wisdom that's that's there that he and, and you see him learn more and more of that as the series goes on well and and truthfully she has a lot of knowledge that they don't have that they kind of need yeah right they do i mean all of a sudden the sensor array can magically do what it needs to do and she's like telling them oh look at that 14 ships were nearby and this is why the signature is and calculate this thing like you know she's putting stuff together that probably she's put to like it's just something that like almost like vulcan standard procedure i mean is she, is she violating the prime directive by doing that do the Vul they when the did... vulcans do have a they have their own version of the prime directive and they, they don't i don't think they call it as such but she she you know she she cautions archer about what to share with other planets in, in their technological development and there's one episode where he says you know this one episode these people don't have warp drive maybe we can help them with warp drive and, and then he realized at the end you know what maybe you vulcans are onto something maybe they need to right, right. Learn, learn maybe they need to figure this out themselves so breaking i don't know if breaking but bending a little well maybe possibly i love the whole well, i mean go ahead I was gonna say, I mean, she it's not like she gave them new technology. She just showed them how to use their technology better in a different way. So I mean, we're bending the rules a little bit. Right, right. I mean I love the whole fear of the transport. Oh yeah. And echoing through. Uh and the look on his face when they beam him off of that. Sulaban Helix. Right, right. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, I mean, how would you like it if your molecules just got broken down into a data stream and then reassembled? You'd be like, did you make sure my kidneys got in the right spot? Is everything right? I think I need to see the doctor. Right. I would look I'd... forward to the day when my molecules could be disassembled, put into a data stream, and reassembled at the other end altogether. Yeah, but you may not but want is that. It you. 
It's not. It's not. It, the, the, the transporters in Star Trek, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute, are, are, are just a, a, a giant death machine. All it does is, like, like Chrissy said, disassembles your molecules, converts it to a data stream. That kills you. You know, that takes you. Oh, that's only part. happened a couple of times that somebody's died in it. But but if you start, you know, the, the, the but theory. But how do you know? How do you know that that you is really the same you? How do you know that it's not merely a clone of you with the same memories and therefore not actually you? It's just a copy of you. I mean, if you yes. study the, yeah. I could make a couple copies of myself and be quite happy. My employer would, I'm sure, love that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, could we make a couple copies of me? I think I'm going to be rather busy in the winter shelter. I'm yeah. just saying. There you go. You know, if we make a couple I copies like- of you, Dave, we can, uh, we, can, we can now start a chorus to sing the theme song. Oh. <laughs> That'd be great. We can Why? harmonize. Harmonize. But now I'll just have to settle for zero Xeroxing my backside. There you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did like, you know, when we talk about other casts, we, we, we mentioned that, um, what, uh, the, the linguist, the, uh, what, Hoshi, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Hoshi, yeah. Yeah. So like, yes, she does a, like the ability to, to hear and discern minute sounds reminds you a little bit of a hurrah, especially from the JJ verse. Sorry, don't hate me, uh, Dave, but, but you, you see right. that the ability to like, or distinguish minute details that it seems to be uh well Picard had that as well. Oh. Yeah she might he might something just happened on my computer. Nope. Yeah he had really good hearing, remember? You don't? I don't Picard? remember. But oh. hey, that's all right. Yeah. Um you know but 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 like so like not really standout role but she serves a purpose as being the translator and helping him connect. Um, the, uh, you know, it's good. We got communications officer. It's good. Uh, Charles Tucker, the third, Oh, not my favorite character. Oh, what is the matter with you? He is the best of the lot, (laughs) but look, hear me out here. Hear me out here. Okay. You had your, your Scottish engineer in TOS. You had the blind man engineer next gen. You got the Irish engineer in DS9. You got the Klingon in Voyager. You're starting off at the very beginning. Your first interstellar ship. Honest to God, if it was me, I would want nobody else other than some redneck engineer in my engine room. Because when I'm out there far too far away from anybody to get any kind of help, that redneck engineering can save my skin time in and time out uh spoken like a tucker true is true tucker is he is my he is my favorite character and i can promise you he has duct tape oh you can't. hey it, he could probably take a pot a funnel and a piece of copper and make a still in the middle of space he probably has probably has uh. yeah he he is he is by far my my favorite character in in this series. I do like especially. Go ahead. Yeah, his attitude, his just his his his, his voice itself is is such a cha- is a different aspect than you've I've seen anywhere in Trek. And 
watching his character grow, especially he, him and Paul's relationship, is really is, is just one of my favorite. One of my favorite. After characters. bonding together in the decon chamber, hey, what did you expect? Whatever. It takes. Oh, you gotta watch the show then to see how they bond later on, Chrissy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh, so that was the doctor's um, plan the whole time. He was like, Ooh. right, right. <laughs> pressure point. Uh, yeah, the Vulcan neuropressure. Oh, yeah. he, he was, he was, the doctor was planning. He was like, I'm going to play matchmaker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Helping him just get this, just helping him. He was like, sleep. you need to rub this on each other. It didn't actually do anything. That's huh? the secret. Right, he, just, right. like, he, he was just studying how like, the pheromones decam- work. <laughs> Decontaminate this baby. But- uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I could totally see the doctor actually doing the, that. Well, he and the captain have a nice friend. There's Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good friendship between those two. Yeah, I agree. I like yeah. that. Um and Dominic Keating, Malcolm Reed. And I he lo- was in I one love- of the really Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, uh, there's a really good Charles Tucker episode, uh, similar to in season three, where he gets seriously injured and they have I mean his brain is really damaged bad and the doctor has a very unorthodox and unethical way to uh help him they make a clone of of tucker and so it becomes like like whose whose rights become more important this clone of tucker or or tucker because they need tucker to be healthy so he can fix the ship because the ship is trying they're trying to save earth from the zindi so that was a really good dramatic uh episode quite you know what what what's the moral thing to do here a tough there was a tough moral decision to do at the end so he, that's one of my favorite episodes they do in the show is that one. Oh, i agree what do you I think about malcolm more. reed i love i love his cynicism in it. dry boring and like everybody outside of tucker the captain and to paul they got nothing really in the show Reed, uh, uh, Hoshi, Mayweather, they, they, they were neglected crewmen. And so is this, and, and is this, is this, is this bad that. writing then? Is that, is that what you chalk it up to? I, I, I well, see, so every, everything in track. Lazy writing. Lazy writing. Oh, okay. I, I compare, yeah, I, I compare a lot of, tra- of, of Trek to Next Generation. And, and I, and I got to quit doing that. Because that casting was lightning in a bottle that they captured with them. It, it was it, it was just great all around with the exception of Pulaski. But it, 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 trying to compare every series after that, there's always someone with maybe the okay, maybe the exception of DS9. Because it, and that's only because it finally got to seven seasons. But there's been characters that have been solely and poorly neglected as far as their growth and their storyline goes. Malcolm is still the same Malcolm from episode one to, to the end, really. There hasn't been much much growth there. And it's really disappointing because I think his character, and especially Travis's and Hoshi's, I think could have had a lot more to give if the writing wasn't so, like Miles said, lazy. Yeah, I think that's what I meant when at the start when I was like, it just seemed like some cardboard cutouts of people and it kind of just turned my brain off and I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, and so I definitely like when 
they go deeper into the characters. And I don't know whether they made the cast too broad at first or if it's because, like, they ended up not getting as many seasons or, you know, I, I know that in Voyager, when they introduced Seven of Nine, like, some people's characters got completely on the back burner. And, you know, I don't know if that's because people gravitated, gravitated towards the sexiness, which is probably true, but um, there, there could have been a way of having compelling story and, you know, looking at the growth of these people as they're exploring space. I mean, you cannot tell me that they go into space, first explorers, into, into the far reaches of, gal- of our galaxy, and that's not going to fundamentally change you at all? You know, and I feel like you, I feel like when you look at other series, there was a lot more attention done to some of the side characters. Like even if they weren't yeah. central, oh, they yeah. weren't the Patrick Stewart, they weren't the um, you know, number one or but but each character had his moment. Um and it was it, it had something that made them who they were and central to the crew. And you, you have that established almost from the get go, but in this episode, it does feel to fall flat, except for the three main characters. Yeah. I will say this, yeah. just I a mean, little bit like, of trivia. Yeah. This is the only Star Trek show that started with the same cast that ended. Um, all the other shows uh, had changes in the cast and characters, except for the animated series. Yeah. But so I don't know yeah. if they were just uh you know they they stuck with it of course. So Well, good job, guys. Yeah. So what what uh what else about this this show about maybe what what were some of the favorite points of plot? Uh what do you think about the interior of the ship? I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about. Uniforms. Well, the, finally the, look the, of the ship is is great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good. Uniforms. Finally, a Star Trek series with a practical uniform. <laughs> you know, it pockets. It pockets. It, it 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 looked like. I mean, there were. It was a coverall jumpsuit, minus the Paul. But it was. It was practical to serving, on a ship. And going off and exploring different places and they didn't have to do like a little tuck maneuver every time they sat down right right <laughs> and, and it, it was much more i mean I, I know starfleet is not a military organization blah 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 but it is it has a it has a, a hierarchy you're on a naval ship you know and you actually looked like you were part of a crew and not dressing up for halloween and the ship is armed to the teeth right yeah yeah i mean for its day the enterprise that enterprise was armed to the teeth yeah you know i i I loved i loved those uniforms one of my favorite throughout the series and then when they brought the makos on that kind of took its place but Yeah, and the ship design, like you said, was was great. I mean, you, I mean, you could you could definitely tell, and it was one of the hardest things I had to get over was the difference between this, which was a hundred years before Kirk, 
150 years, whatever it was before, before the original series. And it looks so much better. Yeah. You know, that was, that was a big jump for me. Well, I, I had to get over that myself. And I, I told myself like, if Gene Roddenberry had had the budget that this show had, it probably would have looked like this, you know, he, so it's, it's, it looked better, but not necessarily because it it was bad. If that makes right. sense, right? It, it, it looked it looked. It's not really fair. It's not really fair to compare. I mean, compare anything with with TOS. TOS right. was made back in the sixties. Right. Had a nineteen sixties budget, a nineteen sixties view of the future. I mean. And, and, and for its time, it was great. It was imaginative, but it was, but it's limited by today's standards. So you just but, have to forgive that. I mean, I, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but as far as like modern Trek goes, it is very, it is very appropriate for its time period. Mm-hmm. As far as the timeline goes, it's one of the mm-hmm. biggest, yeah. pro- one, of, one of the biggest problems I have with sets in discovery was all of these fancy holographic computer stuff that is set place in between the original series and this it, it is out of place technologically speaking from what was there before you didn't even have it several hundred years in the future come next gen ds9 voyager era and yeah you're putting it up here now it, it, it's great it looks amazing but it's not period specific it's not, no, it's, period not it's not consistent not consistent yeah I know, but they, there, but there again, though. Is, go ahead. I, I mean, as a fan, I understand, Dave. Dave, where you're going from? Yeah. The problem is when you compare any new Star Trek show to what's come before, our imagination of what can be continues to expand and grow. I mean, there's some things we have now that are even eclipse what Next Generation has, especially when it comes to computers and things of that nature yeah um and and so it's so how i yeah it's it's kind of what what they try to tell you to do in in discovery is this is a you know think of it as a visual reboot it's you know it's we're still we're we're still in the prime timeline but um the the thing is we have a, a a a budget for the 2020s now that we didn't have in 1965 Dave, right. Dave, Dave likes reboots. He, he, he wants, he wants ships to look like you're walking out of the Apple store. Say no, no, it looks like crap. And, and you like to make Dave mad. I do. I he do. Does. That's what he was going to say. He was like, if only <laughs> it were more like the Apple store, then it would be. No, uh, yeah. you can see him with the finger. Yeah, but, go ahead. But, but, I, but, <laughs> go but I would retort to that. Looking at the Pike's enterprise in discovery. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have that. It's it's set it is far more a modern rendition, a more in my thought a more appropriate modern rendition of the 1970s Kirk's Enterprise. But this is why they this is why they take Discovery and they launch it three thousand years in the future, so that now it's out of the picture. So there is no if if Discovery was one of a kind, it doesn't matter because they are no longer. A part of the central Trek universe. That's that's well, yeah. It won't be bumping into canon anymore. It could create right. its own canon. Yeah, but uh, but but as far as Enterprise, this show, 
I mean, I thought it was a nice precursor to what we had, what we had in the early two thousands. I mean, flat screens were just becoming uh, more everyday use mm-hmm. uh, in two thousand one, and so well, they made good use of plasma screens for a lot of yeah. their bridge decor and everything. Well, well, something I also think we have to remember is that. Like, you can't set a sci-fi show in our future and make their technology look worse than our technology now. So I think in some ways, because when you watch, like, the original series, Trek, you, you almost feel like, you people are, like, back in the, maybe the 80s with this stuff. Like, oh, I really hope we're not looking like that when we get to the future. So in some ways, like, you do have to kind of give it a little, how do I say, like, leeway or credit and just think to yourself that, the technology is there, but maybe there's visual represent. It's almost like how do I put this? Well, for me, the technology—it's a visual representation of the future that we're seeing, and that physical representation is going to change as we progress forward. And so you kind of have to not marry yourself to the visual representation that each show has. Right. There we go. Yeah, I I agree with that. It's kind of like when you look at the interior of the space shuttle, and everyone's like, "Oh, the space shuttle's awesome," and then you look at SpaceX. Right, and you see what they've done with the flat screens and the push. You're like, this is like, whoa, this is what it should be, and it, and it's uh, we're so progressing forward, and you know, you you wouldn't envision that on the space shuttle, but but yet at the continuation, it's I think it's kind of the same thing, and you you can't yeah. go back, and so I agree with yeah. you, Christy. I think you're I think you're dead on. I, I think if you can get if you can get yourself to that idea, you're a little bit more forgiving of the fact that the visuals don't quite make as much sense as they should. Yeah, Dave's not buying it. Look at that I'm face. Just, no, I, I agree entirely with that point. I, I really do. But I, I, it, it's the it's, it, a, it's the it's a cantankerous Trek person. Yes, the cantankerous <laughs> part of it. But it, it's it's the it's the OCD, like continuity side of me that can look at a shelf of five hundred some DVDs and tell when two are misplaced when they're all in alphabetical order. That these things should not be out of order. Right. <laughs> you know? I, I know a good therapist that can help you with that. Got it. <laughs> so I am not taking on that pile of gar- that hot no, garbage. Good. Dumpster fire I'm at good. all. <laughs> you have uh, not with that. No. I'll give you a nice referral. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, you know, as as we look at the show, we're, we're we're getting up in an hour of recording here. Um, what else do do we need to mention about this? Uh, one of the things I think we've analyzed in the past is how episode set up the series. How do we feel like this episode? works as a landing spot for the series to take off and go forward. I think for season one, it did a pretty good job. They're still new to exploring and they really show that. But then I think by season two, if things kind of jumped the shark a little bit, I mean, we, they meet up with the Ferengi uh, in one episode. They never call them that, but they're the Ferengi. Um, Jeffrey Combs plays one of them. Um, and then they, then they meet up at the Borg in season two. Also, they don't call that. You never hear them call the Borg, but it's what the happened? It, 
it's the Borg, though. It's uh, some when the Enterprise E destroyed the Borg sphere. Some of those Borg survived. They've been just kind of uh, hanging out in uh, Antarctica, and then they get revived, and then they cause some problems. So I, I think season two things get a little squirrely. Then season three comes. We see what they want to try to do is kind of tell an allegory of nine um, eleven. And they, 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 so they, we meet up with this new alien species that thinks they have to destroy Earth because sometime in the future, Earth is going to destroy them. And then season four, they know it's their last season. And so that, that, then they get a new lead writer, Manny Kuta, who I think was the best writer they had on that show. And he, he got it. He was a fan of the original series. And season four really feels like what the show should have always been is a, a precursor to original series. This is where we'll start seeing them... Um, Start, you, know, you see the seeds of the Federation being uh, planted in, in that one. But uh, sadly, the worst series finale uh, ever created. Um, I, I feel bad for the crew, for the people in Enterprise because uh, that's that's the one where we get Riker and Troy and they're watching, they're, they take a part in a hologram uh, presentation of Enterprise's last mission before they come back to Earth. And uh, it was just... Uh, they, well, they should. They, they had one really good episode just before called Demons, where you had a xenophobic group trying to stop, basically trying to kick out all the aliens and basically just kind of lock Earth down and keep us away from aliens. And so it was dealing with xenophobia in that last episode. That should have been the series finale. It was a, that was a good episode. It was a two part episode, actually. That, that should have been it. But uh, well, then when, when you watch it, just, just stop right there and say, Oh, it's a shame they didn't make a season finale. That's what I do with the Matrix. I watch the first Matrix and go, they never made a second or third one. Oh, what a shame. And then I move yeah. on with my life. I do the yeah. same thing with the Star Wars prequels. I mean, when are they going to make those finally? I mean, I've been hearing about them for years, but have you ever seen them? I don't think we're ever going to get them. I, I just don't think happen. Well, we'll just have to stay with our books. I mean, maybe one day we'll get more Star Wars. One day. One day. <laughs> I love my life. Since Return of the Jedi, <laughs> yeah. it has so, been. Yeah. and we're not going to sing that song. <laughs> so when you when you when you rank this up against the other TV finales, uh, the, excuse me, the TV pilots that we watch, you know, when we look at you know original series, we look at uh, Next Gen, D Space Nine, Voyager. How does this stack up? Where do you where do you place it? Where do you rank? it Um, it's going to be towards the bottom for me because it just didn't grab me like some of the other ones did. So, I mean, it's, it's not to say it's a bad pilot. I don't want people to hear that. I'm just saying that when I look at it among the other ones, I mean, it's like when you go into an ice cream shop and they say, what's your favorite flavor? And you're like, ah, or like, what's your least favorite flavor? You're like, they're all pretty good. I mean, I guess if I absolutely had to pick, right, you know, right. It's it's the banana one. Not that I don't like banana ice cream. It's just not my favorite. How about for you, uh, Dave? Where do you put? It? For me, I put it up there with Voyager as the two best pilots in Star Trek, as far as the starting point for that series. Right. When that's and I think far, that's the key here. Yeah. I, yeah. As far I, as it's I, tying in, I, I kind of agree that it. Yes, there are some problems with the pilot chemistry wise, yeah. and certainly if I'm ranking it in chemistry alone, doesn't rank near top. But I thought that it held together well 
the action it grabbed me it kept me in it had some themes that are very star trek and yeah. so for me it, i ranked it up then yeah it's it certainly above like the original series was was campy but it was of its time it was great right next next the characters in next gen in that pilot compared to how they were down the line were just out of control listen to picard yelling and all of the over right over amplification of emotions and excitement compared to how their characters really turned out poor deep space nine like i said i anytime i rewatch it i skip the first two seasons of it anyway because to me it's just boring at this point <laughs> but as far as a launching point for the series goes yeah this one and voyager are, are, the, are my top two favorites quote unquote and and this one the one with enterprise i love it because so one of the great things about enterprise that i liked the show entirely was you got some attention paid to some alien races that don't have never really gotten a lot of screen time. The Andorians being the biggest one, why they were not used as any more than they were in any other series is beyond me. And it's disappointing. Maybe it's just because Jeffrey Combs wasn't around to portray the Andorian in the epic way that he had. Uh, Shran is probably next to Tucker, my favorite character in that entire show, but you got to see some attention paid to, to, to certain things like that that have been overlooked really since since the original series really in my mind even the Suleiman, you know i was i was commenting to oh yeah i threw on that thing it reminded me of the x-files tombs that guy that could like stretch and go through vents um the way they especially at the beginning where they where they kind of slide under the door of that silo that's blowing up uh very much that way miles how about you where would you rank the that's a tough one. I mean, I, I, I'm forced to agree. I don't think the, the, the characters had great chemistry starting out, but at the same time, they actually took the time to launch the show. We see the, the Enterprise go on its maiden voyage and maiden mission. Um, so they did a good job with that. Um, I would say, you know, at, at the five episodes, it's probably my top three uh, as far as effective pilots and like Dave said we'll, we'll see throughout the show they bring back aliens we hadn't seen in the other series we see Andorians, we'll see Tellarites we'll see Orions uh, we, didn't see, we, we may have heard them mentioned in past series but we didn't see them uh, we'll see this show we'll see the, ca- the, the ship and the show referenced in uh, the Kelvin timeline uh, Archer we mentioned a few times and uh, we'll see a model of the Enterprise on uh, Adam Marcus's desk. So they do pay homage. The, the Kelvin Timeline movies pay homage to uh, what happened in Enterprise. And by far, the uh, pilot episode with Beth. Oh, oh of course. Far. Yeah. yeah. By yeah. far. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no taste in music, but sure. Sure, we'll give it to you. So, uh, uh, as we look toward the future of pilots, what's our next pilot? What's the next one we're going to be reviewing? Uh, uh, we're gonna, that will be Discovery. And I think um, that's the Klingon hello, uh, I think uh, that was called. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I unfortunately will not be joining you guys for that. I will be running a shelter. So You know what? What Dave and I Keeping will, the faith of the heart. Dave and I will sing it for you and send it. 
the theme song. Oh, theme <laughs> tele- oh thank you. Thank you. I mean, that means so much to me. I'll play it at my wedding. You will have to listen to the outtake to this show at the end if you want the full effect and understanding what Chris. <laughs> Uh, all right well uh we will have a uh another show coming up here in i guess a few weeks we have one before christmas yeah we get one in december 17th maybe all right so we'll do one before christmas and then um and then we'll uh maybe that'll be our maybe that'll be our karaoke episode. oh darn i'll miss it what a shame oh breaks my heart uh, chrissy don't uh, cry after winter yeah after april 1st so we'll have to do know. that in april we'll have to start playing yes yeah. all right well uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the sci-fi diner tonight hopefully everyone's quarantining and uh staying safe in these covid times and uh but uh, this was a great conversation talking about it. a lot of fun talking about it absolutely and driving Chrissy nuts uh, you just you just had to get it all in before i had to break from you guys that's right exactly that's exactly it. you know that's it yep. it's like when kids act up so their parents don't leave hmm see how it is right. <laughs> Chrissy never coming back. yeah yeah true it's true all we don't need leave, to do mama. all we need to do is to get uh is to fire up the decontamination scene and she'll all right well uh, miles why don't you take us out of the show here all right till next time good night and good luck we'll see ya wear your mask and keep the faith the faith of the heart (laughs) (laughs) oh yes well said well said (laughs) it's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally And I can feel the change in the wind right now So did you know That where my heart will go Where my heart will take me Was not the only song used to promote everything Really? There's one that's even better than that? Oh, no. It was one to reuse to promote Enterprise and UPN when they were advertising. Oh. I because it can't be going oh, where my heart will take me. No. Um, but it's... Uh, Chrissy has it on repeat her in her, she does, in her she playlist. She does. She does. Those little flash earphones of hers. That's what she's really listening to. She's not listening to us. She's listening to no. She's listening to the where my where my heart will take me. Oh God, that song music. I mean, I was like, It's been a long time, but my time is finally near. And I can feel the change right now. Nothing in my way. I'm coming over and sneezing on you. They're not gonna hold me down no more. No, they're not gonna hold me down. No, they're not gonna change me. Cause I've got faith. Going where my heart will.
will take me. I've got what? faith <laughs> to believe. Was I trying to do like some stupid 80s rock? I mean, it was awful. <laughs> like, what was that song written? What were oh. they singing? <laughs> That's a great song. You yeah, are recording I'm... this, right, Scott? The, the lyrics. Yes, I am. The lyrics. Yeah. The lyrics, though, like, like when you read the lyrics, it makes sense why they used it. Yeah. Absolutely. No. It does. Oh, no. no. No, it makes no sense. Why would you why would you ruin a beautiful tradition like that with that it's awful. Well, I mean they, it's they, just a bad song. They could have used Wherever You Will Go by the Calling, which was used to advertise on UPN. That was like grunge that was great grunge like early nineties rock. Much better. Oh my gosh. Like it's just it like makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth. Like it's just so so awful, so gross. Yeah. Why would Miles you do that? I was having problems connecting. I was having problems. Yeah. I I was having trouble. Um, I think it's because like Facebook decided to do an update, and so like it was just it was like making me click through these stupid things until it would finally do it. And I was like, I do not flipping care that you updated it. No, I don't want to switch to dark mode. I know dark mode is the best mode, but not right now. I know. Well, I love she wants to. Oh. She wants to switch to the dark web. Ooh. There yeah. are things on there that I really don't want to see. So no, thank you. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Although it was thanks to the dark web that I got a heads up on the coronavirus, so I was able to stock up on my toilet paper beforehand. There you go. <laughs> it's been a long road. What are you doing? It's been a long time. You know. But Your wife is a much better singer than you. Near. I can certainly understand why you were not the one on the stage. And I will see my <laughs> dream come alive at last. I will touch the sky. Please don't tell me you murder your wife's ears with that singing and voice. You're not going to hold me down no more. No, they're not going to change my mind. Because I've got faith <laughs> of the heart. I'm going where the heart will take me. You like, know, this should be the ending song. Like, Scott singing that should just be the way that he takes us out of the show tonight. Like, we're not even going to sign up. He's just going to sing it. And I'm going to be like, oh, anything. later. I've got strength of the soul. Oh no one's going to bend or break me. Well, since he's having trouble, can I watch like the last four minutes of the show? Because yeah, I actually haven't. Like, I've got reach. <laughs> And he stopped. Okay, I'm gonna like temporarily mute you. Hold on. Cause I've got faith. I've got faith. Where's my volume mixer? For the heart. Oh, <laughs> you know my favorite thing? We interviewed Dominic Keating. Why not? We we, we, we interviewed Dominic Keating. Uh and oh, yeah. he and he 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 riffed this song, but he sang it. In the, in the interview, if you go back to the interview. If you go back to the interview, he sings it. I wish I'd have tried to get Anthony Montgomery to do that, but uh, that would have been great. So we've interviewed uh, three of those people: you know, Dominic Keating, Anthony Keating. Montgomery, and then we um, a Flox. Oh, the cool! Doctor. So because she Flocker. he was with his wife Benita Federici. Couldn't tell you who that yeah. was. Uh, yeah. She played a Borg, uh, but she was she was more known as the 
Commander and Chuck, if you watch the show Chuck, the lady in the suit. Oh, yeah. she's his wife. Yeah. No kidding. Yep. So we got a chance to interview both of them at Shoreline. General Beckman. Yep. Ah. But I forget what she she was. Uh, I have a we've had autographed picture. So I've in my room somewhere of her and and flocks together. And him, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember that one. What happened to Miles? I I don't know. I got so hungry I ate him. Apparently. <laughs> that it, it happened. I mean Maybe Dave, maybe if we sing again, it will just draw him in. No. It'll, like, Why are you- it'll be like it'll be like, you know, sucking the poison out of a wound. I I feel oh. like being the queen of hearts and saying, off of his head, he's murdering the tune. I wish I could remember the second verse. I, I have it here. I know, I'm sure you do. All right, I got everything up. It's been a long night trying to I... find my way. Been through, been through the darkness. Now I finally have my day, and I will see my dream come alive at last. I will touch the sky. No, they're not gonna hold me down no more. No, they're not gonna change my mind. It's like having the world's Take worst away, older Dave. brother. Take it away, because I've, I've got faith of the heart going where my heart will take me. I've got strength of the soul. No one's gonna bend or break me. I've got faith to believe I can do anything. <laughs> you scored some points. You scored some points, Dave. <laughs> I give it I give it a eleven out of eleven. Two elevens there, right like that, bud. Chrissy's right back to her potty mouth, and we didn't even start yet. I know. <laughs> so the first thing I saw was Chrissy's fingers up in the air. I'm like, yeah, well, you've been okay. missing. You've been missing our karaoke version of the theme song. Dave and I have been singing. Just to irritate me. Yep, it's Just true. Just to piss me off. <laughs> Maybe I didn't miss anything after all. I was giving him uh, an eleven uh, out of eleven. Dave, we can do a we can we can, we can do a reprise, Dave. <laughs> no. Why? We can get we can get Why? Miles to join us. The, the best part is, Scott. I'm hoping this is all recorded. For it is. I, I've been show. I've been recording the whole time. Awesome. Awful. You're the worst. It's great. I'm have, up with this. Oh, I'm gonna have Nashville and record companies yeah. calling us after this, Scott. What you did a country uh, version? What? Yeah. No. Not to Nashville. <laughs> Not the way they're going. I mean, God, they've been putting out that tractor wrap crap for the last five, <laughs> years, ten years. Wait, wait, tractor wrap? Yeah, you know, you know that's what? all this country music that is not country music anymore. We call it tractor wrap because it's a I'm bunch confused. of garbage. How how do you have? I mean, I guess if you can do jazz on a bagpipe, you can have track like you can do country rap. But why would you? Right. Exactly, and that's what I say every time my daughter plays Old Town Road and loves singing to that garbage. Why do you allow such things in I, your I, house? You know I mean, oh, trust me. As soon as it comes on, I'm smashing life. stop button. Apparently not. I'm failing as a father. You are. I'm reporting you to children and you. This if is, only, this if only you could give her like a good song <laughs> yeah. to listen to. Like It's been a Faith long the- road. <laughs> 
getting from here to there. There to here. Why? It's been a long time, but my time yep. is finally near. There's What's a longer there? version of that song. I know. I have the full that? lyrics in front of me. I, I had the I had the CD of the of the soundtrack. This is, hey Miles, this is like can you tell me? Can you tell me what other song was used to introduce Enterprise and UPN? Um, yeah, it was called the, the ads was um, I think the band was called The Calling. Um, and the song, come on, don't let me down. Dave let me down. He didn't know this, so I don't know this one. Yeah, The Calling. Um, it had to do with the title had to do with travel. If I could turn back time? No. It's where if I could turn back time. <laughs> I would walk ten thousand miles. No, wherever that, it's 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 wherever you will go. Oh, wherever you go, okay. Yep. Okay. If I would do do do, do do wherever you will go. Do 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 you know yeah. what, Scott? I'm going to be honest with you. You were so bad at singing that. I honestly didn't know what song it was at first. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know the lyrics to that song. I don't know the lyrics to this here. I'll look at the lyrics and then like, I'll help you out. What are you singing? Like, it oh, really, like, I've been wondering who will be there to take my place. When I'm gone, you'll need love to light the shadows yeah, no, it's on so your awful. face. And my lighter's not working, man. I was going to... If a great <laughs> wave shall fall... <laughs> I can give him a light. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it really was that awful. I'm sorry. I'm just like, uh... Hey, I have a recording of how awful it is. It's great. You know, the reality is I really can sing, just not this song. I will not take your word for it based on evidence here you tonight. Can, you can go on YouTube and find uh, some of the bands I've been a part of. Oh, okay. All right. And, and if you don't believe me, ask Chris. 90 I... degrees, things like that sort. Oh, no. I was in a, I was in a, I was in a folk rock band in the late 90s. A folk rock band? Yeah. We played, we played the Chameleon and um, no, no kidding. some places up in Harrisburg and Billy, yeah. Oh, so you're just purposely murdering my ears. Yeah, that makes absolutely. you a worse friend. This song, I'm alert, this song deserves to be murdered. Miles, do you remember when Dominic Keating murdered this song when he sang it? Yeah, he sang a little when we were interviewing him. Yes, it was. Uh, oh, yeah, I could have. Great. Oh, goodness gracious. And I can imagine that British accent. He mercilessly, made, he mercilessly, mercilessly made fun of this song. <laughs> well, I mean. So, are we actually going to start the show? Or are we just going to like start it from you mean, when you, you? You mean we didn't start it already? <laughs> I was going to say, or unless we've already started it, yeah. I missed it. No, let's uh, let. You know, when I hear when I see the title of the song, I want to sing like "Where My Heart Will Go On," like Titanic. No. Oh. Scott, we don't want to. Oh. I, I think that song has got bad omens. We we used that at my wedding, and uh, we oh. know how that worked out for oh. me. Yeah, that, that's not. Oh, Ouch. hey, look! If you don't believe me that I can sing, ask Miles. I sang it as well. Yeah, and he, now he, we know with, the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> in all, you know that. In all fairness, I to don't Scott, miss a beat. 
I, I, I probably picked some bad choices for music. So we, we had um, the, the, the Titanic love song. Uh, we also slow danced to uh, Aerosmith's. Um, um, oh, ew, why? Because it was because of the time. Time. Yeah. The one time. from uh, Armageddon. Yeah. So which, did I sing? Did I sing Titanic and Armageddon? Which song did I, I sing? Miles. Did I sing the uh, you, Shania you, Twain? You, yeah, you and Krista sang, sang the Shania Twain song. Man, I feel like a woman. What is? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, she I did would a totally ballad. pay to see Scott murder that song. I actually I, would listen. to Look. That. I, I didn't murder the song. I sang really well with my wife for his wedding. It wasn't bad. Any better of mine. <laughs> From the song, better walk the line. <laughs> what was that, Miles? Song from this moment. I think from my, this uh, moment yeah. I have been blessed. Yep. It sounded like a good wedding song at the time. It was for a that. great wedding song at the time. Yeah. I, keyword keyword at the time all right you know we can't we can't change our life choices all right well, no, I mean, no you, you, that you was also the time where i think they had those was that the time they had the ridiculously puffy sleeves on the dresses or was that earlier i don't want to be a pirate i was married <laughs> <in 1999. laughs> yes. i'm i actually do know that reference yeah. <laughs> I'm right. a fancy boy. I'm going to introduce <laughs> the show, and uh, we'll just uh, get started talking about Star Trek Enterprise, all right? Because there there's been a whole pre-show yeah. happening. That's just... <laughs> I might be oh, half. That might be half the show. That might. All right. We really needed M on to. She would have sang it with us. I think well, she would have joined she, us. At least it have... So when the she gets sci-fi... on, you're just going to launch right into the song. That's just how it's happening. Oh. The sci-fi diner acapella extraordinaire. God. Sci-fi. Oh. We can do sci-fi diner karaoke where we all sing yes. and butcher theme song. I think we should do it. Yes. <laughs> and should play the, the, the ukulele for um, the, the, oh. the Faith of the Heart song. She should. We need to get her yep. on that. <laughs> but, but we should we should seriously do sci-fi. If we're up for we should do sci-fi diner karaoke. Sometime. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Like totally oh, not. I, but totally serious because that's totally happening now. We just have it to. Is. Yeah, we have to do it. We're going to have to. We'll have to come up with a song. This song has to be there. And I want to sing. Okay. That song has to be there. Oh, well, yeah. We'll, we can talk about that we later. Show, All right. We got a show to do. <laughs> ADHD ho. Yeah. Four miles has like three of us who all have ADHD, so shows just don't happen. I just want to do a real gosh darn show. Come on, people. Get it together. <laughs> squirrels, Miles. There's so many squirrels. Squirrels? Squirrels? Squirrels in my pants. S-I-M-P. Squirrels in my pants. All right. See? All right. They fit in my space pants. Yeah. <laughs> space pants. <laughs> We're not even going to have some veggie. Right. 